The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is Green and Gold History. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is A's Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. It's time now for another edition of A's Green and Gold History here on A's Cast. And we bring on our A's historian, David Feldman. How are we doing, Feldy? Well, let me give you a little uh, Feldy history to start with. B-52s, love them. Use my bar mitzvah money to buy their CD in 1980. That's how much I loved them. That's early CD. That's early, right? I mean, I mean well, yeah, we, it was actually a cassette. It was a cassette, if I'm if I'm if I'm right. Because uh, back then, a lot of people were still doing vinyl back in those days. Look it up, hey kids, look it up, Google it. There used to be a thing called <laughs> albums. <laughs> Love the B fifty two though. That's great. That's a oh. great uh, sounder right there. Oh, they were huge. I mean, then MTV came and they blew up with a lot of those bands from, from the early 80s and late 70s. All right. What is our top 10 list today here on Green and Gold History? So kind of like our last episode, we did uh, some notables for the first 60 games in a season. Uh, this time we're going to go through some of the notables in the last 60 games of a season. So 60-game uh, season, obviously, heading our way. Uh, this is uh, some of the superlatives that uh, players and teams did to finish out the final 60. The final 60. So what we'll be dealing with right now. All right, your honorable mention. So, again, because we're kind of doing a, more of, the, uh, of a category, but this is the one that stood out for me. Um, so you find a little nugget looking this up. I was looking up the highest ERA over the final 60 games uh, by an Oakland pitcher. Minimum 60 innings pitched, you know, to qualify. And uh, it's Jimmy Haynes in, in 1998, over the last uh, last 60 games, had an ERA of 7.10, uh, which is which is not good. Uh, but here's, here's the thing about Jimmy Haynes. This, this I, I really find extraordinary. Uh, since Earn runs became official in 1912. His career ERA of 5.37 is the highest career ERA among all pitchers with at least 1,200 innings pitched. So of all those starters in the history of Major League Baseball since earn runs have become official, nobody, no pitcher has been as good as Jimmy to put up such a bad ERA. Because you have to be good to get 1,200 innings pitched in the majors. I mean, he made 203 starts with an ERA of 5.37. Nobody that good has ever been that bad. He was just having a little lull in the season. Oh, Jimmy, here's another great two. Jimmy, he was, the A's got him from Baltimore. They knew that he had great stuff, and he just could never really put it together. Actually, in the 98 season, he actually started seven and three with a 3.91 and we thought now now we got something but then you know 7.01 to end the year and the, the funniest thing about jimmy haynes which i'll always remember is after every start that he got lit up and he got lit up a lot you go in the clubhouse afterwards you ask him jimmy what do you think what do you feel he'd always answer the same way 
I had good stuff. Real good stuff. Well, Jimmy, wasn't that good? You was killed out there. Got good stuff. Ball, ball felt good coming out of my hand. God, Jimmy Wayne Haynes. Do you have any more honorable mention? No, let's go right into our uh, some of our categories, starting with uh, batting average. And uh, the, the best 60-game finish as far as batting average is Jason Giambi, which is not surprising, MVP. What is surprising is the year that he did it in, and that was 1999, the year before he won the MVP. So sort of a harbinger was to come. I mean, he hit 362 over the last 60 games. Hit 286 in the first 100, so respectable but not dominating. But then he just takes off. Right? He hits 362, and he shows you the Giambi that he's going to beat. The other thing that's interesting about the 99 team, um, you know, they, they kind of stayed in contention, and they did that because they went 35 and 25 the last 60 games. 35 and 25. These, they're the only A's team with 35 wins in their last 60 to not reach the postseason. Uh, that's how bad they were at the beginning of the year. But to finish that strong, it should have really tipped us off that 2000 was going to be something special. Uh, and, and with Giambi leading the way, uh, well, it was special. They won the AL West. Yeah, hitting 362 the last 60 games, uh, that, that, that's definitely getting her done in a way to finish. Yeah, a couple other notable guys who, who did really well over the last 60. Yerubio Durazo in 2004 uh, hit 343. And, and, you know, Rubio, you know, he was the guy that the Billy Bean wanted. He was going to be the DH. And his first year, the Holy Grail, right, was his nickname. Got him for the Diamondbacks, and they, they loved his combination of on-base percentage and power. But he was a great example of sometimes on-base percentage isn't enough. Uh, Arubio Durazo in 2003, he had a great on-base percentage, but he didn't drive in any runs. He was so concerned with walking and getting on base, he wasn't driving runners in, and he was in a prime producing spot in the lineup. 2004, he became aggressive. And we really saw it in that second half when he hit 343. But now not only is he still getting on base at a high clip, he's also doing damage with the bat. And hitting 343 shows that. Uh, really, he was, he was a force in 2004. Uh, Mark Ellis in 2005 hit 336 down the last 60. And then, of course, the opposite and uh, the worst 60-game stretch for an everyday player to finish the season, uh, Brandon Moss in 2014. I only hit 166, and remember all the, all the hip injuries that he was dealing with as, as that team really struggled offensively. And Brandon Moss really struggled those last 60. You know, it's great to get on base. There's no question. But if you're not hitting the ball out of the ballpark, you're not driving in runs, and you're slow, and you're not scoring runs, it may look great on your on-base percentage, but how much you're really helping the team, you know, because if it's going to take three hits to get you home, that's not good. No, no, you need, again, when you're in the middle part of the order, you want the combination of a guy that do damage in that spot. And you're right about the speed. I mean, that was a part of the, the Derek Barton problem, right? Because he had no power and no speed, and he walked a lot. But he wasn't, besides turning the lineup over, he really wasn't giving you anything extra. Number nine. So we're going to home runs. And this kind of caught me by surprise because he had such a great year. We didn't realize 
that over his last 60 games, Chris Davis in 2018 hit 23 home runs. He's the only Oakland A's player to hit 20 or more in the final 60 games of a season. And that's, you got to remember how good he was and how, excuse me, how dominating he was, especially when it came to clutch time. How many big ninth inning, eighth inning home runs did he hit? Just, I mean, we know about the hitting 247, but, you know, three straight years of 40 and 100 and 23 homers in your final 60 games. That was just, that was amazing. That is, I mean, because we're, we're talking about now, it would be great if you hit like 15 in 60 games and he hit 23. 23. And just, and he talked about it in the stories that were, that have been written the last week because he did his, his Zoom conference call with the reporters, and he talked about how last year, with his struggles, this A's team still won 97 games. So if you get Chris Davis to be what he was, he doesn't have to be the 48 home run hitting guy. He just has to be the the normal power hitting force in the middle of the lineup. How good this offense can be with just a normal Chris Davis 60 games. It's like adding a major free agent. I think there's no question about it. Yeah, it really is. And and here's the thing that caught me by surprise, too, about last year. Last season, Marcus Simeon hit 18 homers over his last 60 games. So he's like the fifth most in Oakland history. Uh, You look at his last 60, when it came, you know, that's winning time. 311 average, 18 homers, 18 doubles, three triples, OPS over 1,000. I just, a star is born. Right? There's a reason he finished third in the AL MVP, and we saw it every day with our own eyes. But the power numbers, 18 homers, 18 doubles, this is damage out of the leadoff spot. Out of the leadoff spot, he was doing this. Just phenomenal. Is it the greatest year in A's history? No, no. I think Tejada's year and I, I think Giambi's years were, were a little better. But it, it's right up there because – Besides being in there every day and playing a solid shortstop, not hurting them defensively at all, to do what he did at a leadoff spot, just just remarkable. No doubt. Number eight. So RBIs. And this goes back to really what we talked about, one of the greatest midseason trades in, in Oakland history, definitely in Billy Bean's era, and that's Jermaine Dye in 2001. Uh, he's acquired on July 25th. He solidifies the outfield, right? Now it's going to be long and left, Damon and center, die and right every day. Last 60 games, the A's go 48 and 12, which is still the best 60 game stretch in Oakland history. Uh, and Jermaine Die is a huge part of that after coming over from Kansas City. 59 runs batted in in the last 60 games, almost a, a run driven in per game. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Fantastic. 297, 13 bombs, 17 doubles, uh, just run producer. You wanted him up in every clutch situation because he was going to come through. Now, this is an A team that ends the year uh, going 29 and four. Uh, just Jermaine, what a pickup, right? We talk about Ricky in 89. Uh, Jermaine's eye had that sort of impact. 59 RBI in the last 60 games. That's incredible. I mean, how many people have ever done that? 
Well, no one in Oakland history has done that. Um, it's just, it's just not, you know, you see 60 game stretches where someone can go crazy with RBIs, but to come over to a new team and have that sort of impact, that's not done. And, you know, we know how good that, that team was and probably the best of the early 2000s team, the most complete team for sure. Die being the final piece of the puzzle and, you know, having Damon on base ahead of him all the time, having Jason Giambi on base ahead of him. Uh, just, just amazing that he came through as often as he did. Number seven. So that was stolen bases. And as you would probably guess, if you're Ricky Henderson. No. But it, Yeah, I know. Shocker. Uh, but not in 1982. This was 1980, his first full year. He has 50 steals in the last 60 games of that season to finish with exactly 100 stolen bases. Now, let's put this in perspective about Ricky. Uh, before Ricky hit that, the century mark in 1980, no player in American League history had ever done it. The AL record at the time was 96 by Ty Cobb in 1915. And it had only been done twice in the National League. Maury Wills with 104 in 1962, and Lou Brock with the then record 118 in 1974. For Ricky to come in, in his first full season, and steal 100 bases, besides the fact that he's hitting 300, uh, he's getting on base at a 400 clip. I mean, besides all that, he's stealing bases at a, at a pace that had never been seen in the American League. Uh, just phenomenal what he did. Now, Ricky would go on to have three 100 stolen base seasons in 80, 82, and 83. Uh, the only other player with three was Vince Coleman, who did it three straight years, 85, 86, 87. You think about the 80s and stolen bases and speedsters. I think Ron LaFleur of the Expos had 97 in 1980. Uh, Tim Raines is putting up 90 stolen base totals. Obviously a different game. The way the game was played on artificial turf, bigger stadiums, speed was a bigger factor. Coliseum wasn't one of those places. Coliseum was a normal ballpark, and Ricky's putting up 100 stolen bases. Truly amazing. I mean, I, I wonder if we'll ever see something like that again. I mean, obviously not Ricky Henderson, but at least to the likes of a, a Maury Wills or a Tim Raines or a Vince Coleman where someone completely utilizes their speed. But I, I don't know if there's going to be another organization that ever level, ever allows a player to go that much. Yeah, I agree. And there's too much analytics with the cost of a stolen base. Is the out worth the extra 90 feet gained? Uh, a lot of times they say no, so you don't see people running as much. Uh, it used to be such a big part of baseball, and I, I still think there's a there's room for it in the game. And I think a, a player with speed, he can distract the defense. He can put pressure on a defense to make mistakes. He can get in a pitcher's head. I mean, there's nobody better at getting in a pitcher's head than Ricky, right? You were in the pitcher's head, Ricky was, the moment he stepped in the batter's box. Because you're so afraid to walk him because that's a double. But if you're too true, he's hitting it out of the park. I mean, that's, that's such a threat in every direction. And that's a great ball player who gets in the head before he even steps in the batter's box. Number six. We'll go to hits over the uh, last 60 games. And though he doesn't have the record, we're going to talk a little bit about this other player. The record is 85 for Oakland. Carney Lansford. 85 hits in the last 60 in 84. And Randy Velarde had 85 in the last 60 in 99. But the guy I want to talk about is the only other player with 80 hits. 
And that's Rajay Davis in 2009. And I think it's time to have a little Rajay Davis appreciation party. Uh, this is a guy who had put together a really good career. Right? He doesn't make his major league debut until he's 25 years old. Uh, when he makes his debut with the Pirates in 2006, then he goes to the Giants, he doesn't stick there, he comes to the A's, and he finds a home. And then 2009, he gets to play every day down the, down the stretch. So he takes over from the everyday center field from Ryan Sweeney. And Rajay Davis hits 323, 22 doubles, 26 steals. Uh, this is the real deal. Uh, you look back at the 2009 season, his 333 average from July 1st on was the 10th highest in all of Major League Baseball. So, I mean, this is, this is pretty good. And the A's actually played very well down the stretch in 2009. They have a 16, they won 16 out of 20 at one point, and this was not a great team. But Raja goes ahead, and he was playing up to last year. He played with the Mets. He's 40 years old. 415 career stolen bases. Talk about steals again. That's the sixth most this century from a guy who wasn't an everyday player. But when he did play, he had an impact. And, and who's nobody in Cleveland is going to forget his home run against the Rollis Chapman in Game 7 of the World Series, one of the greatest World Series moments. And Rajay Davis, this is a really, really nice career. Yeah, made almost $33 million. I'd take that. And, and it goes, we've talked about this before, too. If you're a good guy, you're going to get chances. And Rajay Davis is a good guy. He's, on, he's, he's top shelf as far as just being a wonderful person. And he's going to get opportunities because of that. And he has a marketable skill. He can run. He can steal bases. Uh, so good guy, marketable skill. He gets a long baseball career. I Really, and I'm, we've seen it enough, and we've seen baseball long enough. If you're a good person with that skill, you're going to get opportunities. Fact. Number five. Let's look at wins going down the last 60 games. And there's been a few A's pitchers with 11. Vita Blue in 1973. Catfish Hunter, 11 in 1974. Bob Welch in 1990 had 11. But probably the best final 60-game stretch was Barry Zito in 2001. Not his Cy Young Award year, the year before. Down the stretch in 2001, and we talked about this great 48-12 and 12 team, Barry Zito won 11 and 1. 11 and 1 with a 1.32 ERA, three complete games, two shutouts. And he got off to a very mediocre start. The first 22 starts that year, he was only 6 and 7 with an ERA over 5. But then he just turns it on, and he was just dominating. And you look back at game three of the ALDS against the Yankees, always remembered for the Jason Giambi play at the plate. What gets lost is how good Barry Zito was that night. Eight innings, two hits. Unfortunately, one of those hits was a Jorge Posada home run. One walk, six strikeouts, and just that one run. That, on almost any night, is good enough to win the game. Eight innings, two hits, one run. Barry Zito down the stretch in 2001. Again, when's the Cy Young the next year? He set the tone for it at the end of 2001. Number four. So look at saves coming down the stretch. And uh, last 60 games of the 2002 season, Billy Cott, 19 saves. And you look at the last 16 games in 2002. 
He pitched in 32 of the last 60. He went 19 for 20 in saves. And, of course, what was his only blown save? Win number 20. And he's ended up winning that game, right? But he blew the save in the ninth inning. Luis Salisay, I never get Luis Salisay out. Gosh, still frustrated by it. Uh, but you look at Koch's year in 2002. Uh, he pitched in 84 games. Over half the games he shows up in. 11 and 4. 44 out of 50. But in five of the six games that he blew, the A's won the game. I mean, Billy Koch, talk about a reliever having an impact. That is a year for the agent. You know, we recently had him on down in Arizona, and he's just down there chilling and, you know, wasn't an athletic for long, but it's like so many of these guys are like, hey, it was like like best year of my career. You know, you think of like Frank Thomas and certain guys showed up and they weren't here a long time, but they loved their time here. Yeah, Billy was there. He loved getting to the ballpark early. He was there. He wanted to pitch every day. I mean, there were times he did pitch five straight games at one point. Uh, I thought there was one night where Art Howe told him not to come to the stadium because he was so just to make sure he didn't put him in the game because Billy just wanted to pitch. And I, I know it always it, it ate him up about that win number 20, losing that game in the ninth inning. I just It ate him up because he wanted to be on the mound so badly for, for that. But still, what an incredible stretch. You know, 19 out of 20 down the stretch. Amazing. Uh, number three. So on the opposite end is blown saves down Ooh. the stretch. And I was trying to look, you know, really at closers. And this one surprised me. And this is Raleigh Fingers in 1976 had seven blown saves down the stretch. Six saves, seven blown saves in the last 60 games. And in those seven blown saves, the A's went two and five. The A's also finished second two and a half games back. So Raleigh did have an impact. Now this, you know, the 76 team, this is when they tried to, to sell Raleigh to the Red Sox earlier in the season, right? He had to miss basically two weeks. We were trying to figure that whole thing out with Joe Rudy, by the yeah. blues being sold to the Yankees. Uh, but Raleigh comes back in this age team at one point, they were down 12 games behind the Royals in August 6th. And then they get hot. And this is, you know, your five-time defending AOS champions, right? And they're going to put the heat on Kansas City. And they actually pulled within two and a half games of the Royals with four games to go. So they had a chance. And they end up losing the last game of a, of a series against the Royals, which really kind of ended it. But, you know, Raleigh, down the stretch, and again, closers were used differently then, he was often put in in the fireman role. Right where that's where the starter pitched as long as he could go until he got in trouble, and then Raleigh would enter the ball game usually with runners on base. And just too many times he came in with runner on second and third or a runner at third, and he would give up a sack fly or a single, and that'd be it. He'd get the blown save, and the A's would lose. So a little differently than now. But if Raleigh had just been a little better down the stretch in 76, the A's might have had a six-straight division championship. Number two. Number two is our worst 60-game stretch to end the season. And uh, the A's had a few bad ones. 78, terrible team, went 17 and 43. Uh, 77, 21 and 39. So these are not good. But I decided to look, what was the worst 60-game stretch for a team that made the postseason? And that was our wild card team of 2014. 
They went 25 and 35 down the stretch. Remember, it was a it was a slog, and it was it was scary. They had a chance to miss out on the on the postseason and the wild card, uh, a legitimate chance to miss out miss out. Uh, but Sonny Gray winning that last game in Texas, the 25 and 35, and just snuck into the postseason. Might have been better if they didn't go play that wild card game. <laughs> in many ways, it might have been. My heart would probably have a few more years in it if that was the case. That was literally the worst game ever. All right, number one. All right, we've talked about it a little bit, but the best 60-game stretch in the season is 2001, 48-12. I, I just, just so good. But I went back at last season. Last year, last 60, they were 39-21. and 21. And that's the type of 60-game stretch you're hoping for. I did a lot of look at years, and especially in the last 20 years, at teams after 60 games. And the good teams, on average, have 35 wins, 35 and 25. The bad teams, 25 and 35. I mean, there's not a big difference, right? That'd be five games in the standings. So there will be outliers this year. You will have a team that will be a 40-win team, 42-win team. And you'll have some some bad teams that will be a, a 20-win team. But everybody's going to be pretty much in that 35 to 25. That's not a big difference. So that's why every game is so important. And if you can just get one winning streak, right? If you're a good team and you have one really great week and you can end up with a, a 39 or 38 wins, you're in the postseason. What is your magic number to say you get here, you're in? I think if you get 36 wins, I think you're going to be in the postseason. Uh, I think it's only going to take 36. Uh, again, I think there's going to be one or two outliers, but that's it, just one or two. Like the Dodgers in the National League could be a super team, and they could win. They could go 42-18. and 18. But I think that's the best you're going to see. I don't think you're going to see much better than that. So that's why it's all bunched. If you get to 36, and it doesn't seem that hard, right, I think you're going to be a playoff team. All right, run down your top 10 one more time. So just quickly, our, our, our best average down the stretch was Jason Giambi in the last 60. Chris Davis hit 23 homers down the stretch in 2018. Jermaine Dye, 59 RBI in the last 60 games, 2001. Ricky, 50 steals in the last 60 games in 1980. Uh, Carney Lansford and Randy Velarde with 85 hits apiece. And our friend Rajay Davis with 80 in 2009. Uh, 11 win seasons by Vita Blue. Catfish Hunter, Bob Welch down the stretch, but Barry Zito in 2001, 11 and 1, the last 60. Uh, Billy Koch, 19 saves in the last 60 games of 2002. On the other end, Raleigh Fingers, seven blown saves down the stretch of 76. And the worst 60 game stretch to finish a year, 17 and 43 by the 78 A's, and the best 60 game stretch to end a year, best 60 game stretch overall in Oakland history. 48 and 12 in 2001. Another fantastic list. Uh, what's going to be going on with you? Are you going to be at the ballpark? How are things working for you? So when the A's on television, I'm working on the A's broadcast, Homer Road, I will be at the Coliseum. Uh, the TV truck for all home and road games will be located uh, on in, at the Coliseum. So road games will be produced from the Coliseum as well as home games. And then when I'm official scoring, what they're doing this year is I will be at home. I will be official scoring remotely from my couch. 
Oh, that's going to be easy on a bang-bang plane that uh, decides something really special. It was an interesting choice. Um, they want to li- limit, you know, the number of people in the press box. I know there's been some pushback. Um, it definitely has some challenges to go along with it. I think the heart, the biggest challenge though is just communication. I mean, announcers and, and stadium ops, they want, you know, scoring decisions right away. So that is something that's being worked on. It, it's going to be different, um, but it's just for this year and, and anything we can do to keep everybody else safe, uh, more than happy to do it. Great stuff as always. I hope we'll see you soon. I don't know, but uh, always look forward to our next list. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Tony. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.